you defended your move on TV, but Larson obviously not happy and said that of all the times, he's never had to apologize to you. You've had to apologize to him. Why wasn't your move dirty, and um, how do you view it uh, after everything that happened? Well, that's not true. He's he's ran me off a bunch of road courses and called me and said sorry, and I said I'm going to stand my ground next time. I, I don't, I'm not here to defend anything. I put both of those guys, the 48 and the 5, in an arrow situation. Didn't touch either one. How can you wreck someone you don't touch? They, they make a decision to either let off the gas and race side by side or hit the gas and hit the wall. I mean, I put them to those decisions. Uh, I didn't overshoot the corner. Uh, I was behind them. I tried to get position on them. I uh, knew it was going to be tight off of two, uh, but always made sure I left a lane or more, more than a lane. You know, it's, it's the same, you know, these next-gen cars, for whatever reason, you get in that spot near the car on the outside, it, it sends them very tight. It, it just tightens their aero balance. Um, everyone knows it. Um, you know, Kyle is one of the best aero blockers in our field. Um, I knew once he got the lead and, and it was green, there's just no way I was going to go around on that. So I just backed off and just waited and tried not to burn up my shit for a restart later because uh, he knows how to put you in a situation to just kill your car. So, um, you know, we waited and we, we pounced at, at the right time. He you know didn't get his right sides clean and drove in the corner just too far and let us get beside him. And then I thought we were going to race it out off of two, but uh, – you know, it was just he got in the fence. Bob Cocker, Fox Sports. Larson had said that he felt like it was kind of the same move that you did to Chastain last year. Same move he made to Bubba. Did he mention that or no? No, he did not. Gotcha. So, but do you feel like you raced him with respect? We're racing for the win. Are you shitting me? <laughs> for sure. I mean, if I'm going to give anyone in the field respect, it's Kyle Larson. Just, just because of our. You know, I, I respect him as a race car driver, and I think he's, you know, probably the best. So, certainly he's got my respect. But, damn, I mean, we're we're all racing for a win, and I guarantee you, rules reverse, it goes the same way. Going to the back to uh, Zach. Zach Sterniello, NASCAR.com. Denny, um, you were talking about. I guess just the relationship between you and Kyle, you've, you guys have had run-ins in the past. How does does it affect anything away we really from the racetrack? I, you're kind of blowing that up. That's not true. We've not had run-ins. Uh, I got in the back of him in Atlanta trying to push him. That's in a draft. We're drafting. Um, so that was a draft gone bad. And then uh, at we're racing. Like once again, we're racing for the win at, at uh, Kansas. And he gets in the fence, pulls, comes off the fence, and and I tag him in the left rear. It's I mean, you know I get it. I know we we're trying to. You guys are trying to go with this, but you know I've been on the shit end of so many of these results, and I am definitely when it comes to getting fifty for me, six hundred for Toyota. Uh, I'm gonna make sure that I drive as hard as I possibly can, and respectful. Uh, that's why I left them more than lane off of turn two. That said, how. When you when you hit those milestones today, um, but but you get out of the car and the crowd reaction is what it is. Does that? Did you hear intros or no? I did. I didn't do anything before the race. Fair enough. 
Well, let's go uh, in the middle here. I'm Chopper Motorsports today. First off, congrats on the win, Denny. Thank you. Uh, so now that uh, you do have 50 wins, and you touched on this yesterday, the significance of uh, your 50th win possibly being at Pocono, where your first two career wins were, has it set in yet? Uh, and if so, what are the emotions that you're feeling right now? No, I mean, stuff like this doesn't sit in for a while. I actually exchanged texts with Kenseth over the week, and you know, we were just reminiscing about old races. And I, I told him, I was like, you know, you probably, you know, I, I was, you know, definitely filling him up about, like, how great, you know, he was. He was a great teammate, and he just, you know, the wins that he had, he was just so underrated. And, and I told him, I was like, you know, that's one thing that we're always guilty of is not appreciating it in the moment. Like, it's always when you're retired and you got a bunch of time and you're sitting there on your rocker uh, on your back porch when you're thinking about, well, what have I accomplished, right, in the sport? Um, these things take a long time to sit in. They really do. Um, we're in the heat of the moment now. I mean, I'm answering questions about, like, was that, what I did was fair or not. I mean, give me a break. It's like um, it takes time. And, and I just – I never thought I'd get an opportunity in the Cup Series. But luckily, J.D. Gibbs took a chance, and Joe Gibbs took a chance on me um, nearly 20 years ago. And to get my – 50th when it comes down to the track that I got my first it certainly is is special and and like I told you yesterday it you know I knew that you know every weekend I go into it thinking man this would be the perfect weekend for it you know because they're always there's always the right time to win but um I think there's I mean there's just little things like my old car chief um spider that works at the uh Joe Gibbs Racing found in his old toolbox um, my my grandmother's St. Christopher. And so I get in my car for practice, and it's sitting on my dash. And I'm like, I hadn't seen that thing. I thought it was lost. You know, we, we would always put – my mom would put that in there before the race. And so on the dash, I mean, I, I, I sat down. I said, well, we're winning this weekend. I mean, that's just – those things don't happen on accident. Like, so I just um, – Really happy to, to win it for the team, uh, you know, the whole team, Chris and his team on the pit box, the guys in the war room, the guys in the fab shop. Like, they, I, I've been really lucky to be part of an organization that carried me for many years to many, many victories, like a lot. Um, not everyone gets the opportunity to go from racing late models to racing for Joe Gibbs Racing in 18 months in the Cup Series. Like, that's just, it's hard to do. It really is, but... Luckily, they believed in me. They gave me time to, to get going, and, you know, the rest is history. And that's a follow-up to that. You also have uh, a solo record now for most wins at Pocono. So, um, congrats. At eight, that. right? Uh, seven. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess eight. Sorry, sorry. I, I, I look at the official like stats, but eight it is. Eight it is. <laughs> you you earned it. it today. There's no tape on the car this time, that's for sure. <laughs> you earned it today. Thank you. Thanks. We'll go to uh, Marty. Marty Scala, Rock Sports Net Race Pro Weekly. Gentlemen, congratulations on the win. Chris, I guess I'll ask the same question. After what went down last year, how sweet is it uh, to come back, get another win here? Uh, I'm a little afraid to talk because I know the car's not <laughs> through tech yet, if you want to be honest about it. But I figured that would be coming up after that question. So, uh, 
Seriously, though, really, really sweet. Um, win, lose, or draw doesn't doesn't matter. The the effort that we put forth to uh, get to this position, um, it, it, I don't know. It's Pocono magic. I mean, it, this this group has magic at a lot of places, but uh, Kansas comes to mind. But this this track here, I, for some reason, there's so many different ways to win at it, and. Um, you know, we've we've found ways to, to do it. A lot of it is someone asked me earlier and I told him um, I really as a purist, I can't think of a better NASCAR track than Pocono to win at because it literally takes every facet of the game. Fast cars, uh, fast drivers, aggressive driving, um, fuel mileage, strategy, uh, aggressive restarts. It just takes it all. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons that this team's very, uh, you know, with, with Denny leaving it from the, leading it from the driver's seat, uh, this team is, is very versatile. Um, I, I'm so proud of it because we, we cover a lot of ground. Um, there, was, there was no part in the race today where the strategy didn't make sense to us. And, um, you know, fortunately it all worked out. Denny scoring Toyota's 600th win across all the top three NASCAR series. What's that mean to be a part of history today? Uh, it's special, for sure. Uh, I remember getting, I think, their 100th cup victory at, at Loudoun, New Hampshire, um, long, long time ago. Um, but, yeah, I mean, milestones are always big. And, you know, to have, you know, 600 wins across, you know, the, the three series, I mean, it's they're, it's unmatched. What they do to invest in this sport from the grassroots to the Cup Series is unmatched. Uh, you can see it at uh, your local dirt track. You can see it at your weekly racing series. Um, they are all in on NASCAR. And so to be part of that type of organization and that type of manufacturer certainly means a lot from my standpoint. I was, you know, I was nervous in 2008 when we switched over, right? And uh, we, we had a lot of success um, before that. But, you know, the Joe Gibbs Racing team thought that this was the best move for them. And obviously they made the right decision because there's no other manufacturer that performs on a per-car basis like they do. Go to Kelly. Raise your hand, Kelly. Kelly, com. Chris. You and Denny have been together for a while. You know what he's capable of. But I found it really interesting that going into that, I guess it would have been the second to last restart, you felt the need to come over the radio to try to motivate him. And you had the numbers ready. Seven at Pocono, or eight, as Denny would say, 600 for Toyota, 50. Um, and you said, find a way to get it done. So I'm j again, I'm just curious, uh, those moments of finding something to say to him, even though you know he can get the job done. Uh, I don't know. I. I Denny doesn't like cheerleaders, he'll tell you that. But, uh, you know, I, I think every now and then focus is required of anyone. And, and I say that because these moments are so hard to get to, to even have an opportunity to compete for a win, let alone all those things we just mentioned, um, all those metrics we just mentioned. It's once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Those are never – all of those things are never going to line up at once. So, you know, he's hot and sweaty and in that cocoon and, you know, focused on this vibration and getting these tires clean enough. And I just wanted to get in his mind one moment and remind him that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Find a way to go get it. 
and you know if i if i spend every minute of my day in that um manner it's never going to mean something when i step up and say it that clearly because it's always level 10 cheerleading but i just wanted to focus him on the moment and let him realize just remind him of just how important the moment was good at dustin Dustin Obino, Jayski, Denny, on the podcast, I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, you mentioned throughout your career you thought you were like an average restarter. Um, leading into the Larson deal, did you feel like you were in the catbird seat beyond the, the outside of the second round? Not really. I, I just I hadn't got going. I, I, that's not true. There was a couple good restarts today, um, but the first turn um, had, had been a challenge throughout the day, so I, I didn't think I was in a great spot, honestly. Um, but you just never know, right? I mean, certainly anything can happen on the front row, uh, but I, I would rather my shot on the front row. But, you know, the, the critical moment really was right before turn one, <clears throat> clear in the 19. That that gave me the option to, to pull down on the five, and when I did, he sailed it way off in there. Um, and so that, that gave me the opportunity is getting that crucial restart. So... Um, I didn't think I was in a great spot, uh, but clearly he thought I was in a better spot. <laughs> Thank you. Go up here to Scott Walsh. Scott Walsh with the uh, Scranton Times Tribune. Denny, um, when Ryan spun out on the final lap, were you aware of that? Uh, were, were, uh, you know, did they come over the radio? Or, you know, were you maybe surprised to see the white flag instead of the, uh, the yellow flag in that instance? Uh, no, I mean, I think that um, NASCAR's kind of had a history of, you know, if it's kind of out of the way, someone gets going, they give, especially on a track this big, they usually give it ample time to work itself out. Then they check the racetrack, make sure there's no debris. Um, but I did hear, you know, when I was in turn three that there was a spin, but my spotter's always just constantly updating me on where the cars are behind me. Uh, but he, he mentioned that there was a spin behind me, but that's all he says. Go up to here to Chris. Do anything to try to shift the cheers or the booze back to cheers, or does that really bother you? Or no. do you, are you embracing this kind of villain role? I mean, I just I'm just too old to care. I mean, I, had I had got another twenty years ahead of me, then I, I, I get it, you know. But fandom doesn't give me trophies. Fandom doesn't, you know. <laughs> doesn't do the job for me it, so I, I just you know I in my career just had some pivotal moments getting into guys when uh, you know they were super popular and I just kind of wasn't so you know I'm okay with it because it the fans were passionate about what they saw and I think if you were a Denny Hamlin fan you'd you, you know you probably and, and there, there was that many then maybe you'd probably hear the same thing but it's just uh, I don't know I've I'd never really resonated with fans for whatever reason. Um, I, I got here on hard work and the old-fashioned way, but, you know, I'm just not that likable, which is okay. I mean, I think, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm just not one of those good old boys, right? So it's just on myself, I am. I, I, I try to treat people really well um, and do the right things and, you know, let let the fans cheer for whoever they want, but as long as they're making some sort of noise, it's okay. He had some stern words post race, um, saying that you weren't the victim. 
Do you feel like you were a victim of circumstances battling Larson there at the end? I don't. I'm. I don't know what you mean. You're good. He just he just said that you know Danny's got to quit playing the victim that you were responsible for this and it was your fault. I was racing for the win. I not I never said that Kyle did anything to me and I deserved to get like we were just racing for the win. Um, you know I it, it just I think I think sometimes analysts is views it depends on who's the character really i mean if that's that's the truth in it um it's very hard to be unbiased it's it's so hard uh but th those were two guys racing for the win and certainly um roles reversed it it, it goes the exact same way now we have several hands still up i'm going to let chris go uh chris i know you got to get to tech I believe in one more interview, so we'll let you go. Congratulations on the big win. All right, thanks. Uh, we'll take a few more for Denny. I know we have several hands up. Won't be able to get to everybody, but we'll do the best we can. Uh, we'll go back to Zach Sternly all in the back. Denny, I know you said you didn't touch the 48, and the the video showed that. But what what did happen from your perspective? Were you surprised mm -hmm. he went around the way that uh, as quickly as he did? And I know there have been, mm -hmm. um, un I would assume unintentionally, um, and it has looked that way um, in uh, several instances between the two of you just over the course of the last month. Yeah, I mean, we talked after. Um, you know, people need to know that I'm I'm very honest with myself, and I'm very honest with my competitors when. You know, I know that they made a mistake, and I try to tell them, you know, my side when it, when I make a mistake. Um, Alex came up to me after um, Atlanta, and he's like, "Man, God, sorry." I'm like, "Dude, it's no, it's no big deal. Like, it's, you got loose, and I was just there, right? Like, it, there was there was nothing that had to do with anything. It's just kind of circumstances, and when when you race around each other uh, a lot of weeks out of the year, you're gonna have those things happen. Uh, what happened in turn three is uh, I got a really good runoff of turn two, and I was going to shoot low. And when he saw that I was going low, you know, the move for the that guy is to aero block. I mean, that's just – that is what next-gen racing has become is aero blocking. So he tried to shoot down right in front of me, and his car got loose. And then I was on the brakes trying to, trying to stay off of him. But it's unfortunate. Go over here to Michael. Michael Massey, French Stretch. Uh, Danny, you said like you don't care like what the fans think. Well, what is there been any thought to just like lean into it, like lean into kind of the the villain role, or kind of like Kyle used to do, or or not? I mean, not really. I mean, I don't think anyone likes to be disliked, um, but I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I just. Uh, no, I, I don't try to do anything to lean into it for sure. I think it just kind of happens naturally, to be honest with you. Um, you know, some of the, you know, questionable incidents here, you know, like with the Chase thing, like it just, that stirs the things up, right? As, as me and Chase get together and we crash at, at Charlotte and it just, 
you know, it just fires the people right back up that like, you know, I'm the bad, I'm a bad guy. So I just think that, uh, it's just part of it. I think, uh, you know, fandom is, uh, it's a crazy thing. Like it really is. It, I've noticed the further away they are, the more booze are when they're up close. They're actually very nice. I mean, they, they are, it's just, it's, it's so different. Like walking out versus someone that's on the other side of a fence. So it's just, it reminds me of like social media, like the further you can get from face to face interaction, the more hateful that you can become. And, and I kind of like, you just need to look at someone on social media when they're hateful on social media, just go back and look at their posts They're hateful to everyone. They're just an unhappy person. I don't, I don't fault the fans for not liking me because there's people in sports that I don't like. I've never met them. I just, you know, I root for the other team. And so when they root for the other team and that team doesn't win and they think that I'm responsible for that team not winning, you see the reactions that you do. So it's just there's a lot that goes into it, but I'm just happy that we came out of here with a stands packed, infield packed, campground absolutely full. Um, this has just been a, a fabulous weekend at Pocono. I think that Nick and his team has just done a phenomenal job continuing to invest in this facility, and hope, hopefully we continue to come back here every single year. With uh, Jeff? I'm not trying to harp on this, but I want to give you a chance to address it. Okay. So on TV, they did feel like there was contact. So once you go back and look at the replay, if, if it does turn out in your view there's incidental mm -hmm. contact, does that change anything about how you felt about the incident? Is that still going for the win? I, well, it's obviously still going for the win. And, you know, we've saw, seen the rules in going for a win. I, let's take this incident out. The rules of going for a win has changed in the last 10 years. You've been covering the sport for a really, really long time. And, like, it's just different. You know, people are just like, well, I, it's, it's the what I had to do. That's what you hear, right? I didn't have to, but I'm I'm I had to race hard for a win. Um, was I going to let off and give them all this extra room? Absolutely not. No way. Uh, I wanted to race side by side because I earned the spot of getting beside him. Um, I don't feel like there was any contact. I'm I'm pretty confident in that. I could be wrong though because I'm on the other side of the car, and at the time I didn't see his nose, um, and I was gassing up to try to clear him. So. From what I saw, uh, I ran up into the middle lane, and uh, after that, uh, we we ran really close to each other, and he got it in a aero tight situation that made his car take off, and that was it. Go we'll back to uh, Davey. But it's hard racing. It's not certainly nothing intentional. I I think <clears throat> the best way to win them is duel it out side by side, and that's how I thought it. we were going to come off turn two. Uh, Davey Siegel with SiriusXM. So Kyle was very adamant in the, his TV interview that, you know, he's, you guys are still obviously friends. And he, his words, not mine. You raise him like an asshole, but you're still friends. And he can do a good job separating the on-track stuff from the on-track stuff. He's obviously not your only friend on the racetrack that you race for wins. How do you separate the on-track from the off-track in terms of when you're racing good buddies out there? Yeah, I mean, I actually listened to uh, Kyle's uh, Dirt Racing podcast and, you know, after Kansas, I think he's one of the most level-headed guys as far as 
that's concern. I mean, he, he, he does do a good job of separating, and, and I feel like I do as well. Like, I, I feel like I can interact with anybody that I've had past incidents with or whatever it might be. Um, Kyle does a really good job of staying level-headed, and I think he does separate them really well. I can see from his perspective why he would say that. Um, but in both circumstances, both drivers were racing for the win. Um, I didn't deem either one of them dirty. Um, certainly not Kansas where, you know, he got loose, bounced off the wall, and we made contact. That's that's just it. unfortunate. That was very unfortunate. Same with today. I thought that uh, I left him, you know, when I'm in front of him, which I was in the middle of the corner, I can't see him. All I know is they said, he's on your corner. So at that point, I'm in the middle of the racetrack. I'm, all I want to do is just leave him enough room to not hit the wall. That's, that's my job is to carry as much throttle as I possibly can, but leave the person, because I'm not clear, I need to leave him a lane to race in. Um, and I did. And, and unfortunately, again, it's, it's very different with this next-gen car versus old car, um, the aero, aero situation. And, and the fans at home will never understand it because you, you, you see it on TV, but you don't understand how much the car takes off by itself. Um, and, and it did, and, you know, that's just it, – it sucks because certainly I'd love to, to race them um, to, the, to the white flag, but, you know, a lot largely because I respect them so much. And so um, I, I do I, – I try to separate it as much as I can, and, and certainly if he feels – as though he owes me one on the racetrack, then then that's up for him to decide. And I will distinguish that differently than our friendship off the racetrack. And so you can be – it's you know what people don't understand is you actually kind of race your buddies harder than you race others. It's just – it's weird how it works out that way. Well, Denny, you mentioned uh, – everyone mentioned the 50 wins. That ties you for 13th with Ned Jarrett and Junior Johnson for 13th on the all-time list. Congratulations. Uh, good luck next week in Richmond. Enjoy this one. Baby.